with another episode of can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll and sb nation lakers community um you can find our work over at silverscreenandroll.com uh including the work i do there uh and i of course am christian rebus and i'm joined every week by the incomparable jacob rude and jacob we are like just a hair over a month away from nba basketball coming back which is great basketball is good it keeps people off, like, I was going to say it keeps people off Twitter, but that's that's <laughs> a blatant lie. That was not the truth today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it keeps people very much online. But at least they talk about basketball. Right now, I feel like with it only being a month away, we are in the silliest part of the offseason. And nothing highlights that more Uh then the story, and I, sh- I really shouldn't even call it a story because it's, it's self-imposed by who else but Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard did an interview on In-Depth with Graham Benzinger, I believe is his name. And uh, the, the thing that stood out to me the most uh, is he was showing off his, his giant mansion, which, like, it, it looks like something... If, if a kid, that whole video was like, if a kid, if you gave a kid a hundred million dollars, what would he do with it? And Dwight Howard answered that question. <laughs> um, and the most childish thing he has is a purple car uh, that he bought because he is inspired by Thanos after watching Avengers because of the sacrifices he made to accomplish his goal. Uh, and the fact that he let go of his feelings to do so, which is a challenge we all apparently face in our lives. Um, Jacob, do, do you think he watched Avengers? I was ready to say, you say he's, he did that because he watched Avengers and Thanos. There is absolutely no way that man watched Thanos on Avengers and thought, hmm, I'm going to aspire to be like him. Like, I realized Dwight is not self-aware, but that would be a whole other level. Like, I don't even know. I saw your tweet about it, and I, le- I legitimately thought it was a joke. Like, I was sitting there pondering, like, this is kind of like, he could be joking, but it's also believable <laughs> enough that, like, maybe he's not. And then, like, you literally tweeted, this is not a joke. And I was like, I, wa- <laughs> I watched the interview just like... What is happening? Like, I just... Thanos is not a good yeah. guy. Like, what are you doing? That, Why would you say I, that's I, a, Thanos inspired me <laughs> is not a great line to have. Yeah, I think, um, like, he could have said, I got, like, a red and gold car after seeing, like, the sacrifice Tony Stark made for his teammates and that's what I aspire to be with my next team but he was like you know that guy that committed mass genocide and (laughs) killed his daughter Um, I saw that and I said yes that sacrifice love it I need a purple car this instant like there is just no (laughs) rationale with him I, I said before we went live that I've tried to abstain from like 
reading Dwight Howard quotes or watching interviews because this man is too much. And literally <laughs> the first interview I watch, I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm done. Like, you can't, <laughs> I can't imagine he's going to top that. Uh, top saying Thanos inspired me. Yeah, I don't know about that. I Dwight Howard, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him. He's either silly or goofy. Both, all the above. One of those. Two, yeah. Immature. <laughs> He's definitely one of those. <laughs> that dude, that guy is different. Different. Every um, every one of these yeah. applies. <laughs> uh, he also had the. And I I thought it was pretty funny too that he. He had um, snakes, <laughs> like so many snakes, very large snakes. And uh, you were you were saying that it's kind of I guess a tribute to the mamba. Um, there's definitely th- how many snakes he has. There's definitely a joke to be made. <laughs> I I'm not clever enough to make it, but he had multiple uh, I think pythons, uh, huge snakes, regardless whatever they were. Yeah, very and big. I think they said 22 feet, and they had bitten him. Multi, I think he said three times they had bitten him. And there's there's a joke there somewhere about Kobe <laughs> and Dwight and. You guys want to workshop that and send it to us, go for it. But he is, it's just like, he's very much like you said, if you gave a kid a hundred and, it said his net worth is $150 million. I just looked it up. So if you gave a kid $150 million <laughs> and said, here, and he just starts going buying purples, Rolls Royces, and huge snakes, and the mansion he had looked like, Bruce, like a movie, like Bruce Wayne's mansion or something. Like <laughs> I don't even know what TV. Like I, he is very much like a kid in a candy store. Candy store. Oh, and yeah, that was another thing. He in his interview that we'll go. We'll talk about a little more throughout the show. I didn't. I didn't watch this segment of the interview, but the YouTube headline, like for the preview video, was. Dwight Howard on filling his house with candy. <laughs> I, he, they literally had to have an intervention last time he was here because he ate too much candy. Clearly, he's relapsed. Is... <laughs> oh, Dwight. Um, he also talked about more serious stuff um, that we should probably talk about, and we'll talk a little bit. You mentioned Kobe. We'll we'll go back to him um, here in a bit. But first, I want to talk about Dwight uh, and. It, for those that don't know why we just randomly started talking about Dwight Howard, um, he plays for the Lakers now. Ugh. Technically, he's on a non-guaranteed contract. Um, but during this interview, he was um, he was asked like, "Your time with the Lakers that was bad." Um, like, and he was particularly asked about the dynamic with Kobe Bryant, and you know, at the time. Kobe Bryant was still the guy on the Lakers. I mean, Dwight's first and only season with the Lakers was the same season Kobe Bryant ruptured his Achilles. But that wasn't until much, much later in the season. And if, unless I'm misremembering, um, it was like, what, the fourth to last game of the season? It was either the second, second or third to last game. I think it was the second to last game of the year. I remember it was yeah. the Rockets they played at the end of the year, but I can't remember. It was right at the very end of the year. Regardless, uh, they played together uh, for a season, and and Graham asked, "quote Why do you think 
when you first came to the Lakers, people were telling you, you've got to know Kobe still wants to be the star. And I get it, man. Like, from everything we've heard, Kobe was kind of an insufferable teammate and just very much wanted to be that guy still. And in his defense, he was that guy up until then. I mean, what he did that season to will the Lakers to the playoffs – I think would be marveled at in in today's NBA and in, 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 in any season, what Kobe Bryant did that that year was remarkable, and I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. Um, and he said, and his like all jokes aside, this quote was, if true, was pretty like kind of made me feel bad for the guy. So he says, quote, I don't know. I guess they felt like I wanted to come and do whatever to the team, but for me, I just wanted to learn from all the guys who came before me. I was looking forward to playing with Kobe, playing with Powell, playing with Anton Jameson, Steve Nash, because I wanted to soak up as much knowledge as I could from those guys because they played in the league longer than me. And I knew that Kobe was one of those players that's about to transition out of the NBA, so it's like, man, I can learn a lot from this guy, and I want to be that guy. When he leaves, I want him to be able to say, Dwight, here take over that's all i wanted i just wanted to learn and soak up as much knowledge as possible that way when it's my time i can give that knowledge to somebody else all fine and dandy and like if you just take that quote into consideration it's genuinely sounds like a young star that just wasn't ready for all that los angeles had to offer him and like specifically all kobe bryant expected of him um but if you take everything else into context, it's kind of hard to buy into that narrative that that he was kind of the victim in Los Angeles. Yeah, I I more or less rolled my eyes when I read that quote, which <laughs> is a common common occurrence when I read quotes from Dwight. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's how he feels, so be it. But that's that's an interesting viewpoint, I guess, to have on it because. Um, he he had injuries, which it was another quote he'll have. Uh, you'll but man, his that's the biggest problem I have with Dwight is his commitment level that season was like non-existent. Like that team would have been absolutely incredible if Dwight just ran some pick and rolls and dove hard to the basket. And I. All I remember from that season is him slipping every pick and roll. It's like he watched Anton Jameson do it a couple times in practice, and he was, like, the best at it. And he's like, hey, I could do that. And then that's what he did for 80 games, 82 games, however many games he played that year. Um, it was so frustrating. I mean, I don't want to rehash too much because the last time I was on, I think we talked a bunch about Dwight, but... Yeah, I mean, he made Steve Nash mad at him. <laughs> like, they got into an argument on the court. And, <laughs> a Canadian. Yeah, Steve Nash is, like, one of the most, like, nicest and mellow-mannered guys on the court ever. <laughs> he got hip-checked into the scoreboard and didn't even, like, yell at anybody after that. And he's yelling at Dwight uh, during the game. So, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess in a vacuum that quote kind of reads one way but the way Dwight is it just I, I think the words I said was that quote from this year because it just is another <laughs> just complete lack of self-awareness from from Dwight whenever just reading that quote 
Yeah, and I he just he rubs people the wrong way. Like every sop he's been at in his career, he's rubbed people the the wrong way. And for those keeping track, we said like we we noted like two or three weeks ago on the pod that nobody has welcomed Dwight Howard to the Still. Lakers yet. We're yeah, we're like almost a month removed from that. And not one person. Le- LeBron hasn't posted like a corny like comeback season for Dwight. Hashtag strive for greatness. Hashtag wash king. Hashtag wash Superman. Like that has not come yet, and I don't anticipate it will. Um, yeah, and there's been video of Dwight like in the. I think he's been in the Lakers facility. He's definitely been in Lakers gear. Yeah. He was out at a. Uh, yeah, yeah I was going to say the outdoor courts. I didn't know where they were, but he was out there. I saw that video. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's hilarious. It's telling that nobody is, like, jumping on the board to, to welcome him back. Uh, I mean, I still go back to when – I want to say it was Zach Lowe said that when uh, he was traded from the Hawks, like, they were, like, jumping – there were players in the locker room, like, jumping for joy that he was <laughs> traded. They were, yeah. like, ecstatic that he was gone. And that was, like, two-ish years ago, I think. Two or three years ago. So, I mean, it's recent. It was the 2016... So, 2017 offseason was when he was traded. Two years ago, the last team he played for jumped for joy when he left. So, um, this is who Dwight is. I don't think he's going to (laughs) change. He's 33, 34 now. Uh... He can say all the things he wants. At this age, he's pretty much who he is, and it's just going to be whether his on-court production is worth putting up with all of this kind of nonsense off the court. He also talked about the injuries the team faced that year, and you know, as everybody knows, Kobe ruptured his Achilles going into the postseason. Steve Nash could not stay healthy like at any point when he was in the Lakers uniform um and honestly it's felt like since then the Lakers haven't been able to stay healthy uh but he said that to like paraphrase what he said um he said that the combination of injuries the expectations the team had um and like the effects the injuries had in the locker room morale it just that season was it went as bad as it possibly could have um and i mean the hope is because the lakers are in a pretty similar situation with dwight than they are that they are with with anthony davis except i think in hindsight the lakers gave up less for dwight than they gave up for anthony davis i even i even i think with the help like with lack of foresight at the time you can argue that the Lakers gave up more for Anthony Davis than they did Dwight Howard. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but while we're on the topic of Kobe Bryant, um, Kobe went to online today. He went full online, as, as we like to say. And uh, everybody knows once you go full online, there's no going back. Um, Kobe Bryant posted a picture of his... I, I, they have to be no older than 12. Um, so let's just say these 12-year-old girls, <laughs> after their basketball game, and I am having trouble finding 
the original um, the original Instagram post because it's since been edited because he got scorched on Twitter pretty hard um, for saying for for basically coming at a twelve year old. <laughs> um, God, where is I it? Have, I, I have I have his it. Instagram pulled up, but okay, I have okay, I found it. So here it is. This is from Kobe Bryant. On and it's worth it, it bears repeating that this is an Instagram post with a bunch of twelve-year-old girls holding up like fourth-place trophies at a basketball tournament. Anyway, with all of that context, he says, "Here's our fourth-place quote-unquote winners picture." LOL. Six of the kids in the picture stayed with me and worked every single day to get better and continue to work to this day. The seventh player, not in the pick, missed this game for a dance recital, so that should tell you where her focus was at this time. Boom. <laughs> Roasted. There it is. Um, from the original seven, we have added two, year, uh, two years younger, sixth grade now, a player whose team in our area folded, and a player whose family moved here from Tennessee. That's the beauty of coaching is growing with the players from the ground up. The journey continues. Hashtag Mambas. He went in on a 12-year-old <laughs> that missed her dance recital. Uh, that missed her his her basketball game to go to a dance recital. And he said, "Well, you're not com- you're not committing your life to the game of basketball. What are you doing here?" Yeah, like there's so much to unpack from this. So <laughs> if he said they're sixth grade now, and he hashtagged it two years ago, they were they were like nine or ten. Somewhere in that age. Um, second, he this whole dance recital thing is bizarre because I think I knew what he meant by it, but boy did he say it terribly. Because uh, he <laughs> had to then spend the entire day on Twitter defending what he meant. Um, because... Yeah, it says now she eats, sleeps, and breathes the game. I think he was just kind of pointing out that she uh, did two sports. I'm not okay. Actually, I don't know what he was trying to point out. It was just really. <laughs> yeah. I think people have tried to make sense of it all day, try, similar to what you're doing right now, and it just doesn't. It doesn't add up. There's no reason to come <laughs> yeah. at like at twelve, twelve, nine. There's no point to come at a at a little girl on social media, and Kobe Bryant went there, um, which I guess hashtag Mamba mentality. Yeah, so he so did he it. Tweeted. Uh, somebody said Kobe was basically over the top. He said, "Nah, fam, I was just explaining why she wasn't in the pick. Most of my kids on the team pl- played and still play other sports, including my daughter. So it's all love. Don't misunderstand the message." Um, so, I mean, I guess that's his defense, but he didn't exactly word it in a way to where there was any other way to understand it. So, um, Kobe used as as a as a father of a daughter. Yes. <laughs> he, he pulled it yes. out. Good for he, him. Uh, he is a psychopath. Like complaining something. Yeah. Like <laughs> legitimately, like that was objectively a very weird thing to do and I know Kobe has a fair amount of stands. Um but man, yeah, that was real weird. Um we'll end our like recent new segment that we do at the top of every show 
with something a little more lighthearted, or I should say a lot more lighthearted. <laughs> Far um, less psychopathic. Yeah. <laughs> Chris McGee of Spectrum Sportsnet, uh, better known to many as Geeter, uh, caught up with Quinn Cook at the practice facility today. Uh, and just kind of talk to him about his experience with the Lakers so far, getting ready for next season. Um, and for those that don't know, Quinn Cook grew up a really big Lakers fan. And the, the, the biggest reason he grew up a Lakers fan was because of his late father, um, who died when Quinn was just 14 years old. Um, and so Chris asked him, like, you know, what does it mean to be playing for a, a team that meant so much to your dad? And he said, uh, quote, obviously anybody who knows my family knows he was the biggest Lakers fan ever. So I know he hasn't stopped smiling since I signed. It's been a tremendous ride so far for myself and my family. Uh, But I don't know if it's hit yet. And I just can't wait to put on that jersey uh, for real. And when it starts for real. Uh, And Quinn Cook has already won a championship. Um, He's been part of really successful Golden State Warriors teams, including one that went to the finals as soon as this year uh but he admitted that it would be a little more special to him uh to win in a lakers uniform saying quote yeah it's something that i think about every single day i fantasize about it every single day and i can tell you every lakers thing since i've been living i've watched every game every playoffs every championship so like i was telling my brother last night it's still surreal coming in here uh, and you see all these legendary numbers. You see all the trophies. You you see the years that they won it, and it's just more motivation to try and get one this year. Jacob, I can't think of a single player on this roster that is easier to root for than Quinn Cook at this very moment. Yeah, I can't help but feel anything other than like happiness reading that. Like, yeah. When he was at Duke, they did a couple stories on him and his father. I didn't. They didn't even. They didn't mention the Laker fan part, which just is another kind of step to it. But um, I knew he was always really close to his dad. He's like a. He's an amazing person. Quinn Cook is. Uh, it's why. He's still a. Uh, MB, by NBA standards, a relatively young player. Uh, he's twenty six, but he's one of the more respected like young guys in the locker room um all of the golden state warriors guys loved him um he was he played a big role there and it's stuff like this like he is uh he's an awesome person and i mean for obvious reasons i want the lakers to win a title but uh just the idea of what it would mean to him uh makes me want it that much more because that'd be amazing to see him um raise a trophy for his father basically um and with that we will be back to talk more basketball and um about what your guess is as good (laughs) as mine so for those that aren't caught up to date on all their lakers news um demarcus cousins has been ruled out for the season uh and for that reason the lakers were able able to uh submit i guess is the word um for the designated player exception which would allow them to sign a player using half of the value of demarcus cousins contract um which give or take is 1.75 million dollars um so they still have to waive somebody on the roster likely demarcus cousins 
Uh, but in order to use it, they have to use it before they wave DeMarcus. Um, and so I thought a fun thing to do would be to look at players around the league who the Lakers could sign with that exception. The only problem is, Jacob, that I've run into, you see, uh, is the list is very, <laughs> very, very short. Um, and I because the, they're limited to players with less than four years of experience at this point of the season because like as soon as that came out people were like conspiring that you know um it's going to be for andre iguodala like you know iggy on the way mellow on the way whoever you like name any free agent that could be linked linked to the lakers um and they have been the only problem is uh the veterans minimum varies by years of experience and with the amount of money the Lakers can offer a free agent at this point of the season um, 1.75 million doesn't get you Iggy it more realistically gets you like Bruno Cabloco and and Ivan Rab which I mean at that point just leave the roster (laughs) spot open Um, so Pincus, Eric Pincus wrote an article where more or less, he just listed basically every player the Lakers could sign with this, and it's a very short list with lots of uninspiring names. Uh, David Nwaba's one. Um, he has a non-guaranteed deal. Um, there's a couple trade candidates. None of them are you mentioned, or yeah, Ivan Rab, Dylan Brooks, Frank Jackson of the Pelicans. Um, I mean, there's a cut. It, it'd just be a lot of like into the bench fringe guys who obviously aren't making much money. Um, where this comes in handy is going to be in the buyout market, um, because basically, as Pincus describes it, minimum salaries prorate throughout the year. So come March 10th, I think a minimum salary is actually only going to be worth 464,000. Um, for a player who can sign a $2.6 million. So for a player who's been in the year in the league for 10 years, a veteran minimum is only 460000 The Lakers could actually give that person the full uh, exception, $1.75 million. So the answer to your question of who they can sign is probably not going to be answered until February or March when the buyout market comes. Yeah, and I think we've done we might have toyed with this exercise a bit uh on the pod before, but now that the Lakers do have this exception that they'll likely use, um I thought it would be a fun exercise to think of players that might be bought out uh as the season progresses. And the name that comes to mind to me, or should I say the team that comes to mind to me, uh is the Charlotte yep. Hornets because they have a thought. lot of yeah, <laughs> they have a lot of really large expiring contracts. Um, and the one that stands out to me uh, is Marvin Williams, because yep. I think I think he can still really play. Um, and he's on a f- expiring $15 million contract. Uh, if the Hornets aren't in contention, and I'm sorry, if for some reason you're a Hornets fan listening to this podcast... Um, they're probably the worst team in the NBA. Like, Terry Rozier, 
uh, is their starting point guard and according to 2K their best player <laughs> um, which is very sad especially because I mean come on Malik Monk's on that team I like Malik I like me some Malik Monk as long Monk. as he's not running um, on the court before the game's over and getting technical fouls <laughs> multiple times last season um so, yeah, and, and you look at that roster, you have Marvin Williams, Nicola Batum, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, I don't believe Cody Zeller is expiring yet. No. Yeah, which, I mean, you know. I'll pass on Biombo, maybe. but the other three I'm interested in. <laughs> right, and I think the the Lakers right now, the most important the, – the, thing that they should be looking at in the buyout market or free agent but as we've as we've noted already that that's pretty unlikely um but specifically the buyout market is you gotta you gotta be looking at big wings um obviously uh starting caliber point guard would be ideal but hopefully by february frank vogel realizes that he has the next john stockton or you know whatever and alex caruso um because he's going to ball up. He's going to... It was so funny. Patrick... The Clippers posted a video of Patrick Beverly talking <laughs> about how nobody's going to score on him next season. I'm just like, buddy, are you in for a surprise? He's clearly not um, seen the photoshopped Alex Crusoe pictures that we have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think... I mean, unless you have other areas on the roster you think still need like to be filled uh the wing would be the, the wing or the or point guard are probably gonna be the two areas they look at with this yeah the other team i thought of which looking at their uh cap sheet is the cavaliers they have a bunch of big expirings too but i don't 